one, two, three. Okay. Hey guys, welcome to 12 Questions. Yay! This is Anna Valenzuela, and I am here with my co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Hey everybody, Dave Yates here. Hey, Dave, you want to read that beautiful clarity statement? Absolutely. Uh, Like Anna said, welcome to 12 Questions. We're a podcast uh, that believes growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same. We are not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions Pod has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We are simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to interview people about their own life experiences. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves, and we only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening. Yay! And I am so excited for today's guest. She's such a gem. She's a, a, an amazing author. Guys, how about you introduce yourself, ma'am? Oh, my name is Kate Russell, and... Yeah, I'm the author of Down the Rabbit Hole, a memoir of abuse, addiction, and recovery. Yeah. Welcome, Kate. Glad to have you. Thank you. It's always funny to be so pumped for like the author of a, a book about abuse, addiction, and recovery. And I'm I like, know, ah! I know, I know, I know. I agree. I feel exactly <laughs> the same way. I'm like, it's not a total bummer though. It's not a total bummer read. It's no. kind of, it's darkly funny if you're into that sort of thing, but many are. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes. I, I, I'm an old hippie. So down the rabbit hole for me always meant we're going on a trip. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. so that's- Well, exactly. It has so many levels, many layers. Yes. yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think of, obviously, I think of, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland, and it's, here we go. (laughs) And I love that you always knew you were going to write this book, that you were were like, I'm going to write a memoir. I was a child, and I was like, this is going, this is going to be written about. So just, just so you all know, you're in my, you're in my memoir. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously. Yeah, my parents passed away, and uh, they're just so they know uh, they're all in my jokes. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, I did stand up for a, a very brief time many years ago, and all of my material was about my alcoholic and drug addicted parents. And I had some people be like, well, I, I, a lot of people be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and I was like, y- y- "It's a joke. I'm making fun of it. Like, <laughs> you don't have to be sorry that I went through it. I have turned it into something funny." Exactly. Where do you and, think the sense of humor came from, lady? Yeah, I'm, I'm over it. Like, I've gotten, I, believe me, I've done the work. <laughs> we can all laugh at it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that's, that's what's really beautiful is, like, we can do the work. We can find points of humor in it. That's, that's the whole, I think that's the goal, you know? Yeah. It's just that ability to be like, yeah, I own this. This yeah. doesn't own me. I own this. That's how we heal. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm so excited to ask you our questions today. Yay. Um, so how do you, and also how is your quarantine treating you? Just I love this quarantine. Thank you so much. It's so funny. Right before the, the quarantine, I literally was at work and I just went, I need a vacation. (laughs) I just (laughs) sighed and out loud to myself said, I need a vacation. And it's like, God heard me (laughs) Ah! and was like, oh, 
great. Uh, here you go. I, I mean, I feel bad that the reason that we're quarantined is, yeah. you know, that people are getting sick and, and dying and that's really bad. But I, uh, my quarantine has been fantastic. I've gotten so much done. I mean, I published the book. That's what I, that's what I did with yes. my quarantine. I published it. I did the audio book. It's not out yet because that takes forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you narrating it yourself? Yeah, I did. I had cool. to record it all at night in my apartment, but yeah, I, I had the time to do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I've gotten so much done during this quarantine. So I'm loving it. And then I, I just got laid off from my jobby job. So, but it's fine. Um, you know, unemployment, exactly. it's, we're all going to live. It's all, it's all, we're all going to be okay. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like people in our position are handling it really well. Like yeah. we're just like, yeah, we're built for this. Yeah. Creative people are like, thank God. You wait, hold up. The government's going to pay me to stay home. <laughs> Is that not, <laughs> but thank God we're sober. Right. Cause I have totally thought like, oh, this would be an excuse to be, yeah. The all day drinker that I mm-hmm. always dreamed to be, you know, would, right. yeah. That, yeah. you know, this would Dave, definitely be the, the reason, you know, to, to do that. Yeah. Dave has remarked over and over again, people who are like newcomers right now, like how? <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's not so much how, it's like why. I mean, I know how. It's just like, it's, it's like what, what the fuck is wrong with you? you but, know? If like, nothing, but if nothing, that is the thing that's going to make you hit your bottom though, is when you are waking up and cracking that drink and you're like, okay, I can't. I can't. I don't know how long this quarantine's going to last. You know what I mean? And I don't want to die during it. No one will find my body. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, the way I use, no one would have found my body either. No yeah. one would have with me. I was crazy. <laughs> I don't have any friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but on the, on, the, on the flip side, too, it, it, it's a lot of, uh, for me, uh, it, in the opposite direction where people have reached out to me because the quarantine have has made them like look at themselves and then i'm like here here's a zoom link i'll go with you it couldn't be possibly easier to get to uh, a meeting if that's what you're you're choosing as your path and not a one of them not a one of them (laughs) you know so it's really yeah everything's changed but nothing's changed like i've had people reach out to me and i and i've done the deal you know kind of told my story and like hey you could literally do it on your phone. I will go with you, you know, mm-hmm. and I've sent links to people who've reached out. I'm like, hey, I'm speaking here. I'm doing that. And like, no response. So I'm like, mm-hmm. no problem. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the same thing. It's just as mesmerizing to me uh, from the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like, it could not be easier. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, yeah. I answer it, phones at central office and now we're doing it remotely. So they send them to my cell phone, you know? Nice. And, uh, yeah. And I get, so I get the calls and it's like, well, what do I do now to get sober now? Like, how do I, what do I do? And I'm like, it really couldn't be easier. Exactly what ah, you're sure. saying. Like it really couldn't be easier. And it's so much less intimidating because you don't even have to show your face yeah. at a zoom yeah. meeting. It's so much less intimidating than walking yeah. into a room, you know, and identifying like, so do it now, you know, there's yeah. do it now. Cause I then we could- you'll okay. get, you know, 30 days under your belt or whatever. And then when these mm. meetings start opening again, like you can walk in and you're not even a newcomer anymore. So do it. Yeah, I'm obsessed with the Zoom meeting. I love yeah. it. I'm in my yeah. pajamas. I don't have to wear a bra. I know. Give me, I've give literally me a- been wearing the same pants for four months. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like my jam jam <laughs> pants that double as like walking the dog pants. Yeah, we're they're they're quite they're quite dirty. I love um, it. I love it. So, <laughs> with everything in your life, how do you experience surrender? Oh God, um, surrender. Um, okay. So (laughs) that's a good question. I mean, 
I would say ever since I was a very little girl, I have felt the presence of a higher power. Um, you know, I was abused as a little girl and I really felt a power greater than myself holding me and saying everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think I became familiar with surrender very young because surrendering to that and believing that was easy. You know, I really just believed because I felt like God was holding me and telling me everything is going to be okay, that everything was going to be okay, ultimately. And that, you know, all of this stuff that is happening to you now, because there was nothing I could do. You know, you were, mm-hmm. we talk about powerlessness. There really was nothing I could do except a- occasionally escape to my grandparents' house for, you know, salvation. There was nothing I could do. I was powerless, but that it was, it was going to pay off someday. I was going to be stronger because of it. And uh, I still feel that way. I still believe that when things happen, because life does happen on life's terms still, that, you know, just simply saying it's all going to be okay to myself or hearing the, the, that very familiar God voice say to me, everything's going to be okay. That's surrender. And that happens automatically for me. And, you know, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> What's been your most um, insane moment, either in or out of recovery? <laughs> Give us some juicy using stories, Mama. I know you got some. Okay. Well, first I'll tell. <laughs> oh, good Ju- juicy using stories. <laughs> oh Lord. I mean, I don't know. I I will say that because I thought about this question. Yeah. Um, and you know, the most insane moment of my life is in the book. It is. Uh, when my, so my mother who died of alcoholism at 49, um, shout was, out, mine died at 53. Hold oh, on. really? Of alcoholism? <laughs> yeah. She had a pulmonary embolism, but it was, there was opiates and alcohol in her system. So it wow. was, I mean, do the math. She wasn't moving. So, yeah. 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 Um, mine just di- mine just died of cancer. Sorry, I, my, that's mine's boring, not as cool. Dave. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're, gonna, <laughs> you're gonna chime in. It has to be a drug related. <laughs> Trust me, I'll remain silent most of the show. <laughs> um, but when my I never my mother had me when she was twenty, and I never knew her as anything other than a daily blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was twelve. Um, she, in like I said, like I was physically abused my whole life by her and my father. Um, and when I was 12, she accused me and my father of having a consensual sexual relationship. Yeah. Um, and she didn't, he wasn't home. So it was just me. I got to bear the brunt of this. Yeah. Oh. And she, what she would do, her hobby was every night drinking to blackout, calling me down from my room and then berating me. Um, um. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically she at that point was at her highest. She yeah. was this, I know better than I, mm-hmm. you know, and she would bring me downstairs and tell me, you know, and, and abuse me. And, mm-hmm. uh, but like it got boring after a while doing the same thing over and over. And mm-hmm. she has an alcoholic brain that always has to go further, always has to push mm-hmm. further, always has to do more, always the next thing. And so it had gotten, you know, repetitive. And so that I, you know, I, <laughs> she said, you're, you're seducing your father, pitting him against me. And you two are having it. I know that you, I know that you are, I read your diary. So the story gets better actually. Then, uh, she actually wrote a diary 
that she said was in my diary. And what was so funny was oh, so many things. Uh, oh. She she took a, a lined paper, you know, like legal pad paper, um, and then stap- like cut it in half, stapled it, and wrote journal in cursive. I don't. I didn't even write cursive. Like, or if I did write cursive at twelve, I it wouldn't it have looked look nice like, like this. No. Um, like I did. You know, it was her handwriting. She wrote journal. Uh, and then she wrote in it about like that I had been like having sex, having like giving blow jobs, like giving hand jobs and having sex with my father. I called the police on her. Yeah. So I'm giving away an entire chapter of this book, but, um, it's in more detail. (laughs) Buy the book, everybody buy the book. (laughs) This is a good chapter, right? So, uh, uh, I called, well, then she got physically abusive that night. We called the cops, the cops came, my mother, so I find out about this journal because she hands this to the cops. And the cops in my hometown, they just had like no motivation to do their jobs whatsoever. Right. They were like so like, oh, for God's sake, you know. Mm-hmm. Where, um, was your home, where was your hometown? I'm from Connecticut. So I'm from Middletown, Connecticut. Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Um, it's in the middle and it would have no money. <laughs> <laughs> it would, Shocking. They, <laughs> People think of of Connecticut as like having a lot of money, and the only reason my town had any money is because Wesleyan is there. Wesleyan University is there. Mm. Other than that, it's a real it's a real shithole. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's like the ghettoy part of Connecticut, except that there's like a really prestigious university there. Amazing. Um, yeah. So like she hands this journal to the cops and she's like, she's been having, because basically I called and I was like, my mother's beating me like, uh, you know, come. And they came very reluctantly and didn't yeah. want to do their jobs and like walked us back inside. It was so like, are you kidding me? Cause I'm a kid. I think the cops are going to save me. Right? right. And we go back inside and she's like, she's just sitting there condescendingly smoking a cigarette and having a drink with the cops right there. And she hands them the journal as if this is all the justification she needs for having abused her child you know and they were like is there somewhere you can go for the night and I was like yeah so I like had to call my aunt who was so inconvenienced and she had to come get me and my sister my mom continued to sit there and drink and smoke cigarettes while the cops waited for my aunt to come get me why they couldn't drive me the mile and a half to her house is beyond me but they had better things to do and they didn't want to fill out the paperwork or whatever So that's what happened. And then the next day we came right back and life resumed as if that hadn't happened. But so I would say that's the most insane moment of my life. <laughs> pretty up there. That, yeah. is that was pretty insane. Because even even I was surprised at that. I was like, way to outdo yourself, Denise. You've really, you've taken the, you've topped yourself. I didn't know you could get much, wor- much worse because she used to like abandon me on the side of the road and everything. Yeah. And like this was like, okay, you've topped mm-hmm. yourself. Good. You found something that, yeah, even more horrible <laughs> than that, which you have been doing. As insane as that story is, unfortunately, I've been around long enough where nothing really surprises me. Like, <laughs> that course. is a shocking tale. Yeah. But then when you're like, she physically crafted a journal. <laughs> yes. She may, like, I, I mean, you got to almost give her some credit for I the do. ingenuity. Like, the, 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 <laughs> I'm saying it's fucking awful, but also, like, alcoholics are like, you know what? I'm going to do this elaborate thing. Yeah. That's going to solve my problem, whatever it is. It's Mm -hmm. the mind. She did that before. 
she had that ready to go. She had the journal in the waiting so that like, just in case <laughs> I needed, you know, somebody needed some physical proof of that, which she was spouting in her drunken haze. Cause she used to love to drunken dial, you know, she would drunken dial friends in different States and tell them this stuff too, you know, and, um, just all about, but like, just in case to she create, needed physical proof. Yeah, yeah. To create the committee of people that's against you and to Absolutely. promote, yeah, that you're yep. alone. Honestly, yep. How are we not related? Like that is, that is my, I, in the last few years, um, to have a relationship with my grandmother, who's a marriage and family therapist with an undiagnosed, untreated personality disorder, for sure. Mm. And when I started to treat her as if she had a personality disorder, suddenly we were able to, I was able to develop boundaries and we were able to have a relationship and I understood the nature of her behavior, but like, that is a, that, I mean, that is such a classic abusive mm-hmm. mental health issue, mm-hmm. uh, insane, mm-hmm. like, and when you tell people that story who've never experienced that kind of thing, it's like, oh my gosh, like, right. And then when you tell people that story who have, it's like, <laughs> yes. wow. It's so funny because the reactions that I'm getting from the book, normal people <laughs> are like, like people with not, that don't have traumatic upbringing. Normies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I don't even know if they're, they might be alcoholics, who knows, but like they yeah. didn't have, they weren't beaten by their parents on a daily basis. They are reading the book and they're like, oh, I had to put it down. It's so hard to, like, I feel so bad for you that I, and I'm like, that's like the great, first of all, that's the greatest review you can give me. You made the, my writing made you feel so strongly that you had to put it down. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it did. Fuck yes, it did. You're welcome. But then my sister reads the book and she's like, Brenda, it's so funny. Oh shit, I said my name. She's like, mm. she's like, it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My, my sister's reading it and she's like, I can't stop laughing. And because she was there, she lived through it too. She's like, it's, it's, so it's just, it's all in perspective, right? It's just yeah. all about perspective. Yeah. So. And, and, and it's the funny thing is, it's like, you, you'll have an alcoholic or an addict read that while eating a cheese sandwich <laughs> and, and, dip, and having their feet in like a Epsom salt bath. It's like, oh, this is, this is a, this is nice, relaxing reading for, yeah. for, for it's a bedtime story. Yeah. Yeah. That's bananas. Mm-hmm. With all this, can I ask you, like, when you started, because I had this experience, you're getting a bonus question. I had this experience when I started to recognize I was drinking and using um, alcoholic addictively. What what was that awareness like for you? Because that was very much my experience. I remember in real time knowing what I was doing, why I was doing it and what, what the implication of it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so my first drug of choice was weed because word on the street was it was not addictive. And I believed that for many years Yeah, and it also wasn't alcohol. So I wasn't my mother. Um, yes. And it also, it made me, um, <laughs> We did the opposite of what it's supposed to do for me. It made me driven. I went from getting C's and D's in schools to getting A's and A pluses. I became, I I was going to a performing arts high school and I suddenly was like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to pursue my dreams. And they're all tangible. Like it's real. Like it could actually happen. Oh my God, I'm going for it. And I just did, did, did. Um, And whereas alcohol and because, and this is why I didn't even equate it with addiction for so long is because alcohol made my mother a monster, 
You know, right. it made my parents monsters. Mm-hmm. Weed made me productive and fun, you know? Yeah. So I, so I didn't think, and I, and I really truly believed that rumor that it wasn't addictive. Then, uh, you know, and then you, and then reality is like, you can't escape it anymore. And people are like, no, if you smoke every day, you're definitely addicted. And you're like, okay. And then you try to get around that and you're like, okay, but like, it doesn't matter because I get up and I run every morning before I smoke weed in my attic before school. So like, it's okay. Cause it's still okay. Right. Like everything's still manageable. Yeah. I spent, I had a lot of problem with the first step because I was like, all I do is manage. All I do is manage. I micromanage. I type A my life so tight that I could never have unmanageability. Which is the beautiful marriage of addiction and ACA, adult children (laughs) and alcoholics. That is the beautiful marriage of it. Yeah, I Both of which I've been to many times. (laughs) (laughs) Visited those meetings many times, yes. No, totally. No, it is. Oh, my God. When I read the ACA, uh, the the laundry list, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? (laughs) You're like, oh... Oh, the, oh, this, oh, this is me. You, you wrote this book about me. Thank you. I, I was like, this is deeply uncomfortable. I just remember <laughs> for the first time in years of my recovery, I was like, ew. Uh, oh, I, <laughs> know. I knew I needed to be there. I knew I yeah. needed to be there. You know, yeah. it's, it's, um, um, it's crazy. Then wait, you asked, oh, what is it like when I noticed I was an addict or yeah. when, I, when I actually like came to terms? Okay. So I had no problem with being a marijuana addict for a long time. Sure. When, and then I would, because alcohol was sporadic. <laughs> that being said, every time I drank, I would get blackout drunk. I would do things Thanks. that I would never do, you know, mm-hmm. when sober. But because it wasn't a daily thing and I didn't really think about it unless mm-hmm. it was there, I was like fine with this whole addiction thing. I was managing really, yeah. really well. And then uh, the, my, my end, my bottom was just that alcohol became a very necessary supplement on a daily basis, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I like, I used to have a rule. I kept my rules for years that I wouldn't drink and smoke pot on the same day. And I did that for five years. Wow. And, then, mm-hmm, and I fell from a lot of unnecessary puking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, and no, cause I was managing, I was so good yeah. at it. And then, uh, and then I couldn't do it anymore. You know, it was mm-hmm. my, I, part of the reason I was able to do that was because I was living with a boyfriend who was a babysitter. He's he's a, such an Al-Anon, but like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but um, but he was my babysitter and it worked really well because I didn't lie to him. Yeah. Um, and and I liked my my routine. I was like, look at me. Maybe I'm not an addict because I'm really like, mm-hmm. like, really, like, really able to control this and enjoy it, you know, and isn't that mm-hmm. the definition? Um, and so, so, but when he left, when we broke up first, I was like, okay, I'm having a party for like six months and I'm doing whatever I want. And I did cocaine and I did, uh, mushrooms and I, uh, had, it, had, had one night stand and like, uh, you know, and like, I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm just going crazy. And then I was like, okay, time to rail it in, go back to my, you know, my routine, my, you know, and mm-hmm. I couldn't. It was just too hard. It was just too hard. And that was super sad. But it was also like, I knew where to go. I mean, my mother Mm -hmm. dipped her toes in the waters of AA, you know, many, many times. So I knew it was there. I knew it was the thing to do. So I just was like, all right, I got to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So So having, having experienced all that, how do you make decisions? How do I make decisions? Um... It's interesting. So I, I don't know. (laughs) They just happen, right? Like I just know what the next right thing is to do. So my, well, this will bleed into another of your questions, which is like, what's my daily spiritual practice? But like, I, I, so every morning I, I'm a big prayer. 
Um, and I, I pray and I just ask God to, to take me through the next 24 hours. Although now I stopped saying it used to be in the morning. I would say, please at night, I would say thank you. But now it's always thank you. Cause I, I read, um, conversations with God and it was like, don't ask me for stuff like I'm Santa Claus or whatever, but like say thank you. Cause what you want is God given mm-hmm. and it already is. Mm-hmm. So just say thank you for its existence and it will come into being. It's very the secret, yes. but um, yeah. But, and I was like, okay, so now I'm just like, okay. So in the morning, I'm just like, thank you for guiding me through this day mm-hmm. for showing me. I always say for showing me what the next right thing is to do and giving me the power to do it. So I guess that's how I make decisions is that I, yeah. and then I just, and I have routine. I mean, you know, routines are pre-made decisions that you just <laughs> do every day. So you don't have yeah. to make decisions. <laughs> I love know? that. I love that. I got to start thinking of routines that way because I still, um, you know, I'm a comedian. I have ADHD, all these things. And and routine for me is necessary, but not so easy to accomplish. Yeah. I, uh, I'm like, ah, oh, schedule, what are you talking about? Mm. So that's, yeah, that's definitely a good reminder that a routine, I love that a routine is a pre-made decision. And there you go. Right. <laughs> decisions that's that's a really good way to take the pressure off yeah i love that yeah so. yeah i'm i'm a i'm a i can i have a, a crew of people i consult before making my reactionary decisions oh, so okay that's 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 my 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 higher power as of recently have has been the group of drunks yeah so and that's it just kind of basically for me it's relying on something that's not my initial instinct to make a decision. So whether yeah. it be direct prayer, higher power base, it's just like, it's that separation between my way and just entrusting my way and just giving it up to some outside help. Yeah. That's kind of the, yeah. that's kind of the way I've been looking at it recently. I've heard people say, I run everything by my sponsor. I run everything by my sponsor. And, um, uh, what was he going to say about that? Uh, Oh, I don't know. Um, making decisions. Wait, I totally well, lost my train of thought. I, I, I run, um, hmm. I run a lot by my sponsor and my little recovery circle, but there's a big difference. Brene Brown talks about this in her, in one of her books where she says, uh, she was calling a, a friend of hers, a colleague, a confidant. And they were like, well, are you testing the committee for what their opinion is? So you don't have to make a decision. Hmm. And um, because I definitely fell into that for a while of uh, recusing myself of the response, the emotional responsibility of my decision making by it. constantly surveying the people around me. Got it. And I know the difference between calling and asking for direction and calling and asking either for direction or to just run it by somebody and now surveying what I to, to help me pull myself out of my own decision-making. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting. I've been talking a lot to an addict who's been dealing with some kind of heavy social issue stuff and, um, and giving him the same space that my sponsor and my, my friend, uh, my sponsee sister give me, which is "Hmm, what you going to do about that. And okay, well, I support whatever decisions you make. And, and that is always a good response to kind of stay out of the surveying, uh, staying out of somebody's uh, field poll mm. <laughs> for how they should <laughs> act. Um, and, and, and as I'm listening to him, I'm recognizing for how many years I really did that, you know, and, and after a while, how difficult it became to make any decision, because ultimately by doing that, I was demonstrating a lack of trust in my higher power. 
there's a there's a line in the uh, NA book that says uh, worry is a practice of a lack of faith. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, like we can't be in fear and faith at the same time. Right, right. Which I always, I always, I, I, I always bucked at that, and I realized I was like, oh, it's actually the act of worrying. Fear. I can walk through fear with faith all the time. Still mm. be afraid. Still walk across the, you know, the hot coals or whatever I got to do, you know. Mm. But worry will prevent me from doing anything. Uh huh. And um, so yeah, I totally, I totally understand. I like Dave. I totally understand that. I. I want to run it by people because I know sometimes my first, you know, five reactions are like, okay, keep your car. Um, okay, no. Uh, sugar in the gas tank. No. Uh, soap in their food. Uh, no, don't do that. Uh, talk to them in a kind and loving way and listen and try not to be understood and, and try to understand where they're coming from. Oh, okay. I can do that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, go ahead. No, no, I, I do think as far as running things by people, especially when people are new and, and, and recovering, it is imperative. Uh, for, for me, it's just I've, I've been knocked out of the realm of the spirit. So I'm trying to find my way back to what a higher power is for me. Uh, so for me, I had to start over with the building bricks. I didn't relapse or anything. It's just I've, I've experienced immense loss and grief the past two years. Oh, and it hasn't let up. So, so rather than making decisions that are uh, based in pain and, 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 and immense emotion, I, I, I tend to try to at least be, be a more rational person that maybe I'm not making the best decisions right now. And since I don't have uh, a quote unquote specific higher power, I'm in a state of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, I, I was always taught in the beginning that it's going to go through a lot of different, um, you know, uh, you're going to go through a lot of different concepts and it doesn't have mm-hmm. to remain the same. And that was one of the freedoms of, of getting sober for me was that the ability to A, not be set in stone mm-hmm. with what I believed in and, and B, that at any given time I, I, I'm able to rebuild. And so what, what I look like now at eight and change uh, years sober, it's oh, not what too. I look like. What's yeah, your day? Um, April 23rd, 2012. Okay. Hey, I'm, um, I'm July 27th, 2011. Yeah. Oh, it's coming up. Okay. No fronts, but like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Thank you. If I make it. Yes. Let's all just hope and pray. I love it. I love it. That's interesting though, Dave, that you were talking about like, uh, just, okay. So I've had a lot of you know, you're, you're, you're talking about this, you know, struggling with your higher power. And it's like, thank God for the abuse and suffering I went through as a kid, because it gave me a very strong higher power right away that I still identify as my higher power. And absolutely it will change and it has changed and it has shifted and it has like served me in different ways. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then not so much. And I've doubted and God doubted, you know, and that's why I like say thank you, not please, because if I say please and then it doesn't happen, then I'm like, there's no God and I'm going to go drink, you know, for real. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but God it, for me is just like, it's just, there's a good way of thinking. There's a bad way of thinking. That is the good way is God. The bad yeah. way is disease. It's so like simple. So simple. I just always just have to choose to go down the good way of thinking. And it's 
for me, super duper easy. But even if it's hard, you just have to know that's one way of thinking. Just think the other way. Yeah. <laughs> just, don't do that. Do that. <laughs> What's the opposite? Do that. You know, it's, yeah. it's like that. It's, um, yeah, that's how I think of it. It's there's the God way and there's the disease way. So just follow the God path. Yeah. 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 You know? And in this journey that you've had, what's been the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself? I've learned so much about myself that I can't even begin. I can't, I, 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 I didn't know that I was, that's so funny. I just heard you say um, in a previous episode that I was listening to that you didn't know you were a nice person. And I was like, yeah, I, I did not know that I was, uh, I, I did not know I had so much love inside of me. Yeah. I like, but what's weird is that I thought I did. Like I, like I had an inkling that I had a lot of love to give because I wanted a dog and I wanted a dog so bad. And I was like, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to love this dog. Right. But this yeah. was back when I was still using, I was like, I, th- I feel like there's love in there. Right. But it was like, mm-hmm. it was like frozen. Mm-hmm. And now I love everything like to a very annoying degree, like where I'm outside and I'm like, Oh, look at the pretty flowers. Like I'm annoyingly like in love with life. <laughs> Like that's me. For sure. I'm like, oh, you're so sad. Yeah, I see a, I see a baby. I used to say I hate kids. Then it turned to, I don't like kids. Then it turned to, I don't like parents. Kids are okay. I don't like parents. Then it was like, babies are cute. <laughs> now, any child that I see, I'm like, oh, look at you. What? I love you. Look at that face. Ah, look how cute they're like. I'm like that, you know? So like love that I had all this love inside of me. It was just frozen. Yeah. Well, I was always afraid that I would hurt a child. You know, that was a huge, huge fear because society tells you, you know, your, your, your environment makes you and And so I was always afraid. It's that's why I'm 38 and my old, my sad old eggs are floating around going, we should have been used, you know, Uh, I was, you're good. I was afraid. (laughs) No, definitely. Because hurt people hurt people. Right. And, and yeah, definitely. And I, there's, that's sometimes I don't see my growth until something like this comes up. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, absolutely. I would have been an abusive parent. Another chapter of my book is where I, when I was, um, I abused my sister. Because I didn't know any better. I was her mother. I had to take care of her because my mother was always drunk and passed out. And so I had to, and so when she didn't do something, there's a whole chapter in my book about how like she, she didn't, she wouldn't put away her laundry. And I was just like, do it. And she was like, no. And I, and I ended up like, like holding her down. And like my friend was, was with us and she was, she was just kept saying no. And I just didn't understand that because I didn't react that way. When my parents told me to do something, I, I jumped to uh, it. I was like, yes, my sister. I was like your sister. I was okay. like, oh, I'm going to fight you. She was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. I didn't like, that's not an option. And there, I had no other idea of what to do except what my parents did. And like, yet I still had this like knowledge in my back of my head that like, this is wrong. You know, this is wrong. You know, it's wrong when they hit you, but I had no idea what else to do. And I ended up just leaving her at home and being like, you can't come out with us, you know, but well, yeah, it's like feeling, I always felt when my anger would take over, like a being John Malkovich moment, like suddenly there was something driving me and I was in the back of my mind, completely disassociated, just watching my life happen. And, um, so that's, that, that was my major fear is that I would end up in that place Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be able, and, and, you know, thank God I haven't been in that place in years. Yeah. 
That doesn't, that's not a concern of mine anymore. Yeah. Thank God in therapy. Let me tell you, therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I just started therapy. Really? Uh, Yeah. And uh, uh, my first therapist, uh, because I just got insurance that will pay for it. So yay. Um, I know. Thank Uh, you, Obama. (laughs) No, SAG insurance, you guys. Hey, girl. Level two. It's, and it's the first time I've ever, uh, uh, so, you know, it's the first time I've ever had it, but hey, if you get it, use it, right? That's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm going to get this now before it goes away. And then, but uh, my first therapist that I had, I, we did a zoom session. She is a narcoleptic apparently because she kept or a heroin addict because she kept nodding off. She literally was like, like nine, nine, 10 times during the session and then didn't say anything about it. And so neither did I, cause I was like, Oh, that's weird. I guess I won't be having a se- second session with this lady. Um, but I won't bring it up cause I don't want to insult her. I don't, I, but I felt like being like, am I boring you? Like, <laughs> why are yeah, you? The, like- <laughs> the story, the story about your mom's crafted journal is a, a snooze fest. I thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was pretty interesting myself, but she did not <laughs> concur. Wow. You know what it is? I have a couple of friends that are therapists. Uh, one at, one actually both of them at treatment centers and one a private practice uh therapist and she she sent me a meme this morning about it was basically a man crushing his phone and it says when you get a phone call after doing eight zoom sessions in a row Mm. and it's i think what it is is it's wearing them out because mm. they're not, because you have to be, you have to be a little more animated mm. when you're not in person. You have to yeah. like bring it a little bit more and we're used to it. We're comedians. We've yeah. acted. We've yeah, done yeah. these things. We know how to do that. They're wearing out because they're coming from a different empathetic space, but she should, should not be. Listen, I'm a little bit on that. My grandmother as a therapist is convinced I'm a narcoleptic and I'm like, oh. no, the world makes me so anxious. I need a nap. That's yeah. different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm actually, I gotta, I'm gonna, my headphones are dying. One second. Oh, yeah. I just need to, I need to do something. They, they require battery. Yeah. One yeah, moment. Yeah, do it. Problem. I, I, I'll keep on trudging through here. Um, <laughs> uh, so how, how honest are you with yourself and others? I am honest to a fault. I am probably 99% honest with both myself and other people. And I'll tell you why. So, uh, like I even had a hard time ever lying to myself when I was using, you know, I, I really did. And that's why my, like, I might be considered a high bottom, you know, like person because, um, nothing bad, nothing bad happened. I just was sad and I came into recovery because I was sad and I knew I was sad because I'm honest with myself. I knew I was sad because I was drinking and using every day. And I knew that I wasn't in control. I wasn't in control. The disease was like, I do things like, like make the rules for my still trying to follow those rules. I'm not going to drink and smoke on the same day. I'm not going to smoke pot more than twice a week. And then I'd be like, yeah, but it's 2am. So it's technically tomorrow. So it's okay. And, or I'd be like, or like five o'clock would roll around and I would change my mind. And I'd be Mm -hmm. like, you're not changing your mind. Your disease is changing your mind and you're not in control, you know? So that honest in that regard, but then also like I'm honest now and just in life, I can't even 
lie in an interview, like in a job interview. And you really have to be able to do that. Like if you ever want to get a job, <laughs> you, have to just, you have to, you just have to highlight the best parts of yourself, mm. you know? And like, there are some, you know, it's learning how to spend those negative traits. It is definitely the, the question that always gets me is what's the worst, what's the thing that you, you think you need the most work on? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like, well, I, you know, you, <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, but like, sometimes you do have to like lie, like about work experience and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I actually, so what I did was, um, practice in front of a camera. Like I, um, and I recorded myself doing, uh, an interview, an agent interview, like what I would do with, with an agent. Um, because I am just, I'm too honest. I'm like, well, you know, I had a really bad upbringing. <laughs> My parents, you know, they were really abusive and like, and then what was the question? Wait, oh, hold on. This is an interview for a, a job. Um, so anyway, anyway my really sister, like this <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, my sister has schizoaffective disorder. I'm a great waitress. <laughs> so yeah, no. So, but I did, I practiced, uh, I practiced in, uh, this like like interview, like really just, just, I, yeah. and I had to do it to the point where I, I wrote out everything I was going to say. And then I'm just going to say that, which kind of is fine. It actually, when I, when I was watching it back, it looks like I sell it completely because I'm super type A. So it just kind of goes along. It's like, even though it sounds like I'm reading something that I wrote, it, it works, it works fine. Cause it's like, oh yeah, that's how she is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I'm super, super honest. I used to cheat on people, uh, back before, like over, like we're talking 20 years ago, I used to cheat on every boyfriend I ever had. So that was dishonest. But then I stopped doing that once I realized that it hurt this guy's feelings <laughs> when, he, when he found out that I cheated on him. And I, I guess I just didn't ever think about that. And then I was like, Oh, and I felt so bad. And I just never cheated again. And uh-huh. I was yeah. I like we, we, te- we tend to not like that. Uh, gen- <laughs> gentlemen well, you should have to- told me. I didn't I know. know. Right? <laughs> so This is interesting too, because it's like, for me, sometimes I'll create a reality in my own head where I think I'm being honest. And the, the, the lies I tell myself will be in, li- in line with that. So that, that, that rings as honesty to me. Mm. You know, so if I create a world in my head where, you know, I, I'm doing, I'm being brutally honest with those around me, you know, and I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll think I, I'm telling myself, like, I'm not doing anything wrong, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm being honest, but it's because I've created this world in my head where, you know, my brutal honesty is better than I used to be, you know, like, well, at least they're getting this when in, in actuality, sometimes for me, uh, you know, some, I, I need to find a new way to be honest, if that makes any sense. Well, like, you know, what? Like, oh, I want to hear an example. <laughs> uh, well, mo- you know, most uh, for me, like uh, my father died la- like last year. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I've been in extreme grief uh, for it's been a little over a year since he passed. And um, I've never been in a good headspace about it. Uh, and I threw myself into work and comedy. And, uh, you know, when he passed, like my heart broke and, and I left it outside and I ran into work. You know, and then I was in a relationship and I just felt like on a day-to-day basis, I was, I, I was having a bad grief day. I'd be like, hey, I'm not having this right now. You know, like I'm not, it's not you. It's just like, I, I, I'm in my head. Now, yeah, I'm being honest, but like, that's not that, that wasn't my partner's responsibility to, to accept that honesty or for me, because I was being honest to that washes, that re- absolves me of, of, of 
being closed off and not being able to love and be sweet. You know, so so I created a world in my head over the past year where because I was being honest, that justified, uh, you know, me not being able to open my heart, uh, me not being able to be kind and loving. Uh, not that I was uh, mean or abusive. It's just I was very distant and closed off. So in essence, I created a world where my honesty about where my grief is gave me a pass for uh, my numbness. Yeah, but that's just you grieving. Like, that's okay. You're allowed to... You're allowed to be closed off if you're having your feelings, don't you think? Shh. I, of course, I'm not. I'm not dismissing the fact, that, but I'm saying for me, I created a world in my head that because I was honest about it, that gave me a pass to continue to be oh, shut like, off. Like next oh. week, yeah. <laughs> and your yeah. girlfriend's like, um, "Get over it." <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have the answers that I question, but I'm just saying, as far as the question goes, how honest are you with yourself and others? It's been something I've been contemplating. It's like, yes, I'm way more honest than I used to be, but is that honesty to co-sign the the state that I'm in? You know, uh, like I I I, I um, hopefully tomorrow uh, the therapist will say the insurance is there and uh, we can start the work. But because it's like, I, because I'm a touring comedian, as soon as my dad passed away, four days later, I was working out material about grief, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, you know, now with everything that with the pandemic and I have, I don't have the things that make me, me. And as far as dealing with, with uh, pain. So would, so would an example of that building your own reality to create a certain type of honesty be that, you know, I'm working, I'm making jokes, therefore I don't have to slow down and grieve. Of course. I mean, yeah. it's, I'm a workaholic above everything mm. else. So, yeah. you know, um, the quarantine for me has been fucking terrible, but I've been able to get through it uh, because I've been able to keep myself busy. I've yeah. been able to, you know, do service things like change people's oil. And, you know, I, I am limping through it, but, I, but I'm moving forward, so you, you know, so... Go ahead. You're saying like you're you're being dishonest by not allowing yourself that time or space to grieve because you just throw yourself right back into work and like go go go. Yeah, I, or I I would say that I I can I can justify doing that by being on like I could tell myself, mm-hmm. well, you're just not ready yet. You're just not ready to mm-hmm. do the work, and, and mm-hmm. that's like that's a false sense of me being honest with myself okay. because if I don't do the work, I'm going to continue to lose relationships like the one oh. I previously described because I, I it's hard for me to open up my heart because it's been fucking shattered. Yeah, and, and that and that's been my reality as, as of the past year and change of the grief, mm-hmm. you know. And I had a therapist uh, that thought I was completely interesting and never fell asleep during my sessions. <laughs> um, Lucky, but I, I, I kid. But she called me at the beginning of March and uh, said that she was going to set up online sessions, and I never heard from her again. And I'm the type of alcoholic that loves any excuse to be like, "Well, fucking, I tried." You see yeah, that yeah. shit? Mm-hmm. I fucking tried. You know? <laughs> uh, but uh, the, uh, an honest thing that's happened for me throughout my entire recovery is I know, and it's not something I'm proud of, that when the pain of things staying the same is greater than the pain of change, that's when change happens for me. And it's always been that way. I wish it wasn't so. I wish I could I could feel it coming and be like, oh, time to change. But it's it's always, always, always for me when things are so painful staying the way they are, that's the only time I change. 
Right. You know, it's interesting because I, when I got fired, um, I, I did not see it coming. Got it a phone call. My boyfriend was over, and um, and I and I like hung up the phone, and I was just like, okay. Uh, and I had all this anxiety, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with the with that with that anxiety. I didn't know what to do, and I I just and I I I remember saying that to him, to him. I was like, I, I just I just don't know. I just don't know what to do with this. And he goes, Well, you can. It's okay to feel anxious, and that is definitely not the first time in my sobriety that somebody has told me that it's okay to feel my feelings. But it was like again, mind blowing. Like yeah. I was like, Oh. You mean just, yes, of course, of course it's okay that I feel anxious. It will pass. Like, I should just feel anxious then. Oh, okay. And once I'm given permission to feel something, then I just, it gets like instantly easier. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just have this feeling then. Whereas I guess like my brain is wired to go change it, change that, change that feeling, get away from it, don't deal with it, whatever it is, escape, change, change, change. You You must feel better. How do you do that? Anything else, anything else, you know, but like, I was like, oh, okay. And then I just like felt anxious for the rest of the night. And the next day I felt better. Um, and yeah, and I remember, uh, and that's and that's me at almost nine years sober. And I remember at six months, uh, my six months of sobriety, calling my Eskimo and being like, what do you do when you feel sad and you don't want to feel sad anymore? And she goes, cry. And that was mind blowing to me. I was like, what mm-hmm. do you mean? Have the feeling that my body and brain want to have right now? What? <laughs> and I didn't ever know that I escaped feelings or avoided feelings until like it, until like, you know, I was sober. And then I realized, oh, cause I never like, for me, addiction is not, it's never been linear. It's never been like, I feel bad. I smoke pot. I feel better. It's like, no, I'm smoking pot no matter what. I'm drinking no matter what. It's a, it has nothing, yeah. my feelings have nothing to do with it. But in doing that, in drinking and using every day, you are always manipulating your feelings. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you they're new <laughs> as right. you defrost and sober up and the smoke clears. And you just really don't have a coping mechanism for them. You, you really don't know how to have them. You're just like, how do, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? And if, if you're give like for me, I was given permission to feel it and then told that it would pass. And that's exactly what happened. And I was like, Oh, girl, look at you answering our sixth question about how you experience fear and anxiety. <laughs> like we didn't even have to ask it. Oh I love God. that. I love that. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> what's uh, one thing about yourself? Like what's a character defect you're still working on? Oh, oh God. I don't know. I, um, I don't have any anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I, I don't know. No. Cause you know, I just, I think what I'm doing now is uh, I used to list them every day. I used to be like, God, remove those defects, which stand in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellow man, please take away my, and then I would list them. Right. Wow. Um, and yeah. And I'd be like, um, and what was it? I've stopped doing that though, because I found, I just don't want to live in the negative. When I, I was, when I read conversations with God, I was like, no, I'm going to change the dialogue with God. And my prayers have changed. They like remain the same until there's a reason for them to change. And then they change, but it's always good. It's always like, it's growth, right? Yeah. So like the prayers change as I grow and as my needs change and as, you know, development happens. And uh, so like, I don't even remember what they were because I haven't said them out loud in so long, but in you know, maybe they're all gone. <laughs> uh. so I, I don't know. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I like, I like I'm somewhat lazy, but then I'm, and then I can just, then I can tell you, no, I'm not, I'm not lazy. <laughs> oh, not at all. Um, all Self-publishing and yeah. doing your own audiobook. But not like, but like, I like, will take a nap instead of like, <laughs> doing, yeah. I certainly do like to sleep, but I don't think that's a defect. I love to sleep though. I, I'm, I'm a 10 hours a nighter for sure. Me too. It's so important. Oh you know? my God. It's so important. It's like, I've learned that I'm, I'm not at my best if I haven't had eight hours. Like mm-hmm. I was up last night working on something till like two in the morning and then I fell asleep. Oh, we got, got about, emails. we got the emails. Ah, I got about, I got about six hours and then, um, and then I was like, I have to take a nap. So I made sure I took a nap before here yeah. because I know that yeah. sleepless Driving my, like working myself into sleeplessness is definitely a thing I'll do because I either don't want to feel my feelings or it gives me permission to act like a total baby. Mm. And I should not allow that. I never mm. like the results. I never like the results. I worked graveyard shifts for years in treatment centers. Oh, nice. And I finally had a partner sit down and say, you can't do these jobs anymore <laughs> if you want people in your life. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, He's like, please, like, go pump gas, go do some anything else than this, because you're not nice. Mm. (laughs) And I'm like, what do you mean? Ah!" Mm. (laughs) So, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm still trying to think of what I used to say. Like, uh, take away my, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Yeah. (laughs) What, what's your experience of forgiveness? I'm very quick to forgive. I I usually see uh, like people's, I I mean, I I think I tend to see just the real, just the good in people. Um, So I'm really quick to forgive because people don't mean it. You know, people are just doing the best they can. Um, Forgiving, let's see. I had heard you say on a previous podcast that you like, forgot to put yourself on your like eighth mm-hmm. step or whatever, like make amends to yourself. And yeah, so did I, I forgot to, um, mm-hmm. I forgot to forgive myself or even acknowledge that like, yeah. And so, and I just got a new sponsor who's just great. And she's like, do, she's like, can you, yeah. Can you uh, forgive yourself for, you know, like maybe taking a nap instead of, you know, getting work done. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think I'm really quick to forgive. I don't, I don't hold grudges. I, cause I, cause I want to be happy, you know, which is really That's what it. my book is about. Like I always just wanted to be happy. And so it was like, whatever that takes, it took drugs for some time. Now it takes like, yeah, like quick to forgiveness. Why would mm-hmm. you hold a grudge? What's the saying, you know, drinking poison, expecting the other person to die? Like, why would you, you know? Well, and it's a tremendous waste of time. And if you've been, I had a friend, and this is really blowing smoke up my own ass here, but she once said, she was like, no, you're the light in the cave. That's your role in your family is to be, to be the, the one striving for happiness. And so that's why it's, uh, it's quickness to forgive almost too quick. Sometimes I have to make sure I don't go into people pleasing or codependency. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and that's why I keep people in my life who are like, yeah, Anna, don't chase that person for a relationship. They're actively hurting you. So yeah. like, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, people pleasing was, was a, de- a defect. That's, I used to say that all the time. Like people pleasing for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. It's down in Jersey. Ah, so, so there, there was something at uh, one time. There's more than one thing. I just, uh, I haven't said them out loud in so long because I don't want to give them, uh, I don't want to give them energy. Like, yeah. I don't want to, you know, and I don't yeah. want to beg for them to be taken away because according to God, <laughs> who wrote a book, um, they're already taken away. I just yeah. have to live in that. I have to, yeah. so that's like what I've been trying to do is like, no, 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 live in the reality that those things are gone because they, they yeah. didn't serve you. So they, I already took them away. You don't have to ask me to do that anymore. <laughs> right, right. You know, they're yeah. gone. And so, yeah. yeah. So, but like people pleasing and it does, it's, a, it, everything's like a, it's, it's tricky because you're like, you're people please, but like, I, I want to be nice, but like, mm-hmm. I don't want to uh, do it in a way that where it, it doesn't serve me at all, but like takes away from my sense of self value or whatever, you know? So it's just, yeah you know, it's, yeah. it's balance. We're always just trying to find balance. But. And that's the, cur- that is the blessing and the curse of long-term recovery is it becomes a game of balance mm-hmm. and how do we balance ourselves and, and, you know, forgiveness is a huge part of that. I always, I've known people, I feel, I feel like when you go through some really dark stuff, it's, it's, un, it's impossible for your heart to hold on to all of the grudges. There's just too much. Yeah. It's just too much. And so you, you learn, know, you have to release them. And it, it, I started forgiving my mother for all that shit long before I got sober because I started to become her and I started mm-hmm. to understand and see that she is not evil. She is very, very sick. And she, it's not, it's, it's like, it's like, there's two of her, there's, there's her, and then there's her disease, which just takes her over, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can't even go by that because that's like not real. That's like sickness and illness and it's eventually going to kill her. And it did. And so I just really just did forgive her. I didn't wish her any will ill, any ill will at the end. I, you know, because there was a point I remember, um, you know, a boyfriend asking me like something about what's your relationship like with your mother. And I said, fuck that cunt. (laughs) 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 So fuck that cunt. And this was, I was probably like, 25, 26 when I said that. And then she died when I was still in my twenties. But by that point, I, I just saw her as having done the best she could with being as sick as she was and that I could identify a lot, especially with the thinking, which is another thing the book talks about a lot is that I started to, my thinking started to mirror what I think her thinking was like, you know, alcoholic Mm -hmm. thinking, just Mm -hmm. how our brains work. Mm -hmm. My brain started to work. Like I think her brain worked. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, just understood like, Oh, Oh, this is alcoholism. It's, it's a brain disorder. It's like fucks with my thinking, right? you know? So yeah, I think if you, yeah. Like, so forgiving people, you just, if you can identify with anything at all about them, then you'll just automatically forgive yes. them. You don't even have to Same think as. about it. Yep. You don't even have to try. You know? I have a sponsor who told me she had a um, she had a, a, a like sociology teacher that said a real trick to avoiding um, internal bias is to look a person, look at every person you see in a day, and inside, even maybe even out loud, say "same as," "same as." I'm the same. I'm the same as this person. I'm the same as that person. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that levels us, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like that it's, it's forgiveness is such an antidote to, and the reason why it falls in the, you know, eight and nine ninth step is it, it really, um, it really makes it hard to act out on self-righteousness, people pleasing, fear, 
anger, resent, you know, all those little mm-hmm. resentments that we hold on to, it really makes it like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. I'm saying what what is the like weirdest uh amends you've either had to give or you've gotten? I've never gotten an amends. I am owed so many. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um well, oh, okay. Well, so uh this is also a chapter in the book at the end. So here's and it's not an amends because my dad, you know, when I hear the word amends, I think sober person, and my dad sure. is uh, anything but sober. Um, but I did, so I haven't, I do not speak to my dad anymore. And that's like, so basically like this book comes full circle. When I talk about, I finally set a boundary when I was like 29 years. No, Mm -hmm. I was 32. I was, or 31 years old when I finally set a boundary with my dad and, uh, we didn't talk for five years. And, uh, then I sent him, then I had a sponsor be like, Hey, can you send your dad a Christmas card? Uh, citing mm-hmm. a nice memory. And I was like, sure. So, cause again, like I'm not uh, holding a grudge against him. Yeah. I just, I, I was like, I'm not going to have this in my life anymore. You're, right. you're toxic and I'm not looking for that. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, sure. So I did. And, um, then he wrote me back this, uh, single spaced eight page typed letter that was just what, like one big run on sentence, like updating me on the past five years of his life. And you could tell he was really lonely and sad and like wanted a relationship, but he never said that. And uh, he wanted to know why I didn't talk to him and why I stopped mm-hmm. talking to him. And the reason was, uh, I mean, the straw that broke the camel's back, the reason was because he was an abusive, terrible person my whole life and like never said, I'm sorry. Um, but the straw <laughs> that broke the camel's back was um, he sent me an inappropriate sexual text message. He sent, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a joke. And it was like, the joke was, um, driving in snow is like eating pussy. If you don't slow down and pay attention, you could plow into the asshole in front of you. And I was like, great. So yeah. then I was it's like, um, not a dad joke. you don't no. want that from your dad. So yeah. no, yeah, it's not even funny. So then I, te- I texted back. That's a disgustingly inappropriate joke to send your daughter and didn't hear from him for five years. Well, no, I did. I got an email from him one year later saying, if you ever want to let me know why it is you won't talk to me, I'd love to hear it. Otherwise, have a nice life. And I was like, Because so. why Why internalize any, yeah. <laughs> any reaction, you know? Like, that's not a big deal, you no, know? Of like, course, yeah. no. Well, yeah. and, and so, so, uh, so he sent me this letter, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to tell him why I stopped talking to him. I'm going to reply to this letter. I'm going to, you know, and so I told him. Again, got a single-spaced, eight-page type letter defending himself for everything. Just defending himself. It was so defensive. But within that letter, to answer your question, there was a little bit, a little piece that said, I am sorry. He he said, not a day goes by that I don't think about all of the abuse you suffered at the hands Mm -hmm. of me and your mother and feel feel regret for it. And But that sentence was hidden uh, beneath nine pages of excuses. And so I really didn't even see it at first. You know, I read that letter and I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. It was just excuse you do the after thing excuse. that I do when I know I'm getting gaslit or I'm being, I'm getting these and like turn off. So I read in this sort of like, I get <laughs> 5% of what I'm actually reading. Cause Maybe. I have to filter it. I'm like, I, I, I go ah. into my, I, I go down the rabbit hole in my yeah. head. I go right down the rabbit hole into mm-hmm. my, my trigger. It's triggered thinking. Mm-hmm. I just go right to triggered thinking mm-hmm. and I would not like to do that anymore. So that's yeah. why I don't communicate with him anymore. <laughs> but so that, so that, 
that was the weirdest amends because it wasn't even an amends. It was like an apology beneath a million excuses, which we know in recovery is like an amends means apologizing without making an excuse. Mm -hmm. And that's all he did was make excuses. But he did manage to, to say that he was sorry for all the abuse that I suffered. And so I know, and I know he is, that's the thing is that he is so sick. When we talk about spiritual sickness, God damn, he, there is no one sicker than my father. There is no one sicker than my father. And it's just so sad because it's like, dad, it's so easy to, to, to change your life. I feel like, Mm -hmm. like he could be happy if he, if he, swallowed a humble pill, which is really much easier than he might, than he fears it is. He is yeah. very, very afraid to be humble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause then you have to look at yourself. Yeah. And it, but I, I never found that to be that difficult. Like just do it. It's not as scary as you think it's going to be. I don't think it's uncomfortable. I yeah. think I remember my it's first temporarily year. uncomfortable, yes. you know, and yeah. that's, that's okay. It, yeah. It's very temporary, you know? So what? Yeah, I, I, I honestly though, like I think it's it's for us it's 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 simple, but it's not it's not easy. And that's one of the like I'm I'm not a super big colloquial phrase guy in the rooms, but it, it, the simplicity of it is there. But mm-hmm. like the ease as to which it, it comes to pass, and like I I truly believe that some people just aren't capable, like that that it, it that it it is not possible. To, to change for certain people for whatever, you know, m- mental health or chemistries in their brain. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like I, I've had family members where it's just like, just because of your family, you know, you can decide not to eat the shit sandwiches they're trying to serve you. Right. You know, and like you got a society that, that like, you know, oh, the big family unit and blood is thicker than water and all that stuff that, you choose yeah, your own family. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> I never, I, I didn't grow up like that where family was everything or whatever. It, not at all. Um, it was very easy. See, I think it's both simple and easy, but I, then I, then, okay. If you, you're right, like the brain is very complicated and perhaps my father has some mental, uh, you know, disorder that will prevent him from ever being able to, you know, be humble or admit or be happy. Ultimately. I, I think it's self-protection. I have a, I'm in a relationship with uh, who I thought was a normie, but turns out he's a full-blown Al-Anon. And there oh, was a oh, moment good. where we were arguing about something and, and it clicked into my mind that a lack of humility in that situation, an inability to self-reflect is a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's desperately fearful of looking at himself and seeing somebody that um, he believes the same way that I believed when I was first clean, that I was a piece of shit. And, um, and so I, when I realized that it, it really took the, it took the like venom out of some of the stuff my grandma does. It took the venom out of some of this stuff because I realized I was like, wow, this is just the way they don't, you know, jump off a cliff every day. Yeah, I see. I don't think defensiveness is an automatic reaction, and defensiveness is our uh, brain trying to protect us. Yeah, Uh, that's it. 
that's the brain's job is to protect us from pain. So it's an automatic reaction. So that's not, that doesn't matter. Like that's going to happen. That's okay. So just know that that's going to happen and then keep going. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Keep going. 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 It's past that. You have to get past that. And it's not that hard to get past it. You just go, okay, that's, that's what happened. See, I think of, of defensiveness as an opportunity to look at what needs to be like, if I get defensive, that means there is truth there that I'm not ready to look at. All I have to do is get ready to look at it. So it just, it's just an indication that like, oh, there's truth in that because I felt defensive. That mechanism came up to protect me from feeling pain. But I know that that's, I know that this pain isn't that painful. So I'm just going to look at what that person just said to me and go, all right, where's the truth in that? Yeah. And what can I, okay, you know what? Maybe you are, maybe you're right. Maybe I do. You know what? You might, you might totally be right about that. And I'm going to, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write about that. And I'm going to talk to my sponsor and I'm going to think about that. Yes. Yeah. That because is curious. Is yeah. Like, I go, Oh, I'm feeling so bad. Oh, what are you? About? Yeah. Oh. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. An opportunity to mm-hmm. do a little work on myself that, that I, I'm, let me just tell anybody who's listening to this, the work I don't find to be that hard. Just do it. It's, it's yeah, not just hard. do the thing. It's the just resisting the work that's yes. tremendously difficult. It's the fear <laughs> of the work. It's fearing that the work is going to be hard that, mm-hmm. that just psychs you out. But then when you do it, when you just go, oh, okay, and you just do it, yeah. it's, it's very easy. <laughs> you just do it. <laughs> you well, know? What work do you do on a daily basis to keep yourself sane? I just always am doing the steps. I'm always doing something. Um, I, uh, so I, like I said, I'm a big prayer. So I get up and, and I, and, but uh, luckily for me that I have this like God, like voice that just sort of drives me through the day that I am always in like talking to or in contact with or check or like, you know, how do you make decisions? Well, that's the thing that helps me just know what to do next Mm -hmm. is just following the good, you know? So, um, yeah. So I, w- I wake up and I pray um, and I pray before I go to bed. I only at this point in my recovery, I'm only going to one meeting a week, um, but I could go to more because they're on Zoom. So it's super easy. Um, but I've just been doing everything. Yeah. Whatever. I'll sit here and make Girl, excuses. I'll hook all you day. up with a Zoom link to a, a meeting that's 24 hours, women's meeting at a I, d- I hosted it. Okay. <laughs> I, ho- I hosted one of those. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Are they yeah. still doing that? Yes. They're doing Is that like never going to end? Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. my old sponsor, ends. I know, I love it. Yeah, I hosted one of them. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm super into that. Yeah, my my last sponsor was the one that told me about that because she yeah. hosts all of them. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, two meetings a week, not not one. I'm going to two. But okay. anyway, and then I did that one. Um, but anyway, like I just am constantly checking in with God. I'm constantly, you know, I just think what's the next right thing to do and then do it. And, um, and I am a big phone call person. I call people, I call, and that helps me probably more than anything is the reaching out and talking to another recovering alcoholic. And that will get me through anything because every, it's like nothing like recovery, you know, what is it? Like AA does for you slowly, what drugs and alcohol did for you quickly. Like nothing works like drugs. (laughs) Like nothing goes and it's done. Yeah. Everything helps a little bit. So you have yeah. to wake up and pray. You have to go to a meeting. You have to pick up the literature. You have to do some writing. Oh yeah. And that, so my new sponsor has me doing the steps every day, which I love. So I do, um, and, and written. So, um, I am writing out every day, like resentments and then the, what's the fear behind those yeah. resentments. And then great. So like, how can we get rid of those fear? Hey, guess what? God already removed that fear. So thank yeah. you God for already removing this fear. And then what you focus on expands. So there it is you know? 
the question my sponsor always asks me when I call her what the problem is, what's the fear and where is God? Those are the two questions that seem to bookmark every problem. What's yeah. the fear? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Now where's God? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 She's got me going. Um, so like, what is, wh- who is God? What is God? And yeah. so uh, well, I write it out and I like, it's my grand, all my grandparents have died. So it's my grandparents and it's the God within because I really believe that God lives within us and we are able to share God. Like God comes out in our words and actions and we are, yeah. we're constantly, if we're in tune with that, doing yeah. God's will, right? You know, yeah. so that's what that is. And so that, I mean, I'm just super in touch with the God within and I try to just live my life that way. And it's, I, again, not at all that difficult. <laughs> I would strongly encourage people to do it because I'm super happy to an annoying degree. <laughs> well, how do you foster that relationship with your higher power? Since you've got that connection, like what is the, what is the, the steps that you take to nurture that relationship? Oh, good question. I mean, I'm always just talking to God. All day. I'm just talking, you know, and that makes me sound crazy, but like, you know, just when I was, when I was growing up, I was constantly talking to myself. And what I realized when I got clean is I was talking to my higher power. Yes. Constantly talking to myself, like processing, like, man, that is crazy. No, that's healthy. (laughs) Talking to yourself is a healthy, it's a sign of, of, of strong mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'm always just checking in with God. What's the next right thing to do. And I'll even to the point of like, I don't want to go to the gym. God will be like, go to the gym. You'll feel better. Like even to that point, you know what I mean? But I want to take a nap. Don't take a nap. You're not tired. (laughs) You know, you know, it's just that it's like, God is like my inner parent. And that might be another way for me to define God is that, you know, I was an abused little kid who had no parents basically. So I had to have something right. So it's like the reparenting is, is my higher power as well. It's all of those things. It's just a positive force that I am always nurturing because I'm always in contact with. I'm always tapped into, you know? Yeah. I love that. Dave, you want to get that last question? Sure. What would you tell someone just like you that's listening, Kate? I would say you're awesome. (laughs) I would say, uh, well, it depends. If I was talking to myself when I was a little kid, I'd say it really is all going to be okay. Um, It really is. And it's going to be better than you think it's going to be. And anybody who's just like me, what, who's like not sober or who is sober, if they're... Either way, you'd be surprised. We have a lot of people (laughs) in the program who listen to this podcast and a tremendous amount of people that don't. That are like, that are uh, not in the program. Right, that aren't. And they get a lot out of this podcast. So what if if it's just someone that's had your experiences? What would you tell them? What what was something you wish someone told you? Maybe that's a better way to look at it. Good question. Yeah, I think that life is not as hard as you fear it's going to be. I think Mm -hmm. I was raised to believe that life was really hard. And guys, it's not that hard. (laughs) It's like totally doable. Because I remember looking around, because my parents used to say they were cocaine, so they were alcoholics and cocaine addicts. So lovely combination. Um, (laughs) Parents our age really loved coke. Yeah, the 80s. First generation of coke kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So... (laughs) So bad combination because it makes you think that the world is, is the sky is falling. The world yeah. is ending and you're all going to be crushed to death and you're just so paranoid that nothing's going to work out. And turns out that's not true. <laughs> As a matter of fact, like I would look around and be like, well, how is that person doing it? Or like that person works a minimum wage job and like they have kids and like, cause it, my parents would scare the shit out of me about anything. You want to do this. You can't have a family. You want to do that. You can't, oh, you better get yeah. used to waiting tables. Oh, you better, you know, and yeah. just like scare the shit out of you and out of me. And that like, was 
my dad. He would say, oh, nice tattoo. Uh, I guess you bought comfortable shoes and you're going to work at Denny's. Huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, my dad My dad said, you want to be an actress, you better get used to waiting tables. And I don't know if that was like great advice or like terrible advice because I did get used to waiting tables and yeah. I like waiting tables. I still like it. I am too old to still like it, but I do like because I'm good at it and I like to yeah. move around and I like food and I like learning about food and getting to eat food, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, so I like it, but yeah. at the same time, I think, uh, did it hold me back? Like, might I have right. been like, you know, super duper famous right now if I had uh, been raised with a different uh, mantra? My uh, my dad's only career advice was get a job at a grocery store. They have benefits. Hmm. And that, again, you see, it's it's that thing of like, where would I be if I had a little amp- I don't know, reach for the moon. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I, yeah. I I, just like reach down the street, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. So I would just tell anybody who's had my experiences, guess what? It really is going to be fine. Yeah. It is not that hard. You are going to be just fine. So enjoy the ride. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> we did it, gang. We got through them. We did Yay! it. So good. This oh, this is a this is a hang this episode up in the rafters episode. Aww. You you have been nothing but a gem. Thank Where, you. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say, Dave, are you okay? Yeah, I'm completely oh, okay. fine. Oh, okay, you're so quiet and I feel like you don't like me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the Sm- most sm- smells like you could add another uh, defect to the <laughs> Uh, That's my people pleasing. It's the I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know if you were listening earlier in the episode. <laughs> I said I'd probably be silent most of the time. I know, I, uh, but then when you were, I was like, I'm taking it personally. I'm not. No, so, but you I, are oh, so. I, I, what it is is you're so good at leading the conversation on your own, and you've listened to the podcast a lot that there really isn't a lot of work either one of us had to do. We could have just left you with the questions to taking a nap ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> And two, I uh, I don't I don't like stepping on what people are saying. So I'll wait until there's there's breathing room to try mm-hmm. to fill fill in because yeah. it, it's and I think it's because of the Zoom thing, where it's just like it's hard sometimes to like know when to jump in, uh-huh. you know. So I I, I like to, to hang back, especially like you 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 guys are doing a good job. Yeah, you know? <laughs> thank you. Not not that you needed my approval, but <laughs> no, but I'm glad I have it. I need it. No, I do need it. It's... <laughs> I love this. I love this. Kate, where can people find you? Oh, uh, so go to katerussellauthor.com. That's my blog. Follow me there. Subscribe, please. That would be great. There's also um, Kate Russell uh, uh, author on Facebook. There's a a page there. And then you can go to Down the Rabbit Hole um, on Facebook as well. There's a little... uh, there's a page to like that or follow it or whatever. I'm not super duper technically savvy, but, um, yeah. And also, so down the rabbit hole is available on, um, Amazon. So right now it's paperback and, um, uh, what's that called? Kindle Kindle yeah. turns out you don't need a Kindle to, it, you, yeah, you, you can, can read it, it on, on your phone. Your phone, mm-hmm. which is not as awful as I thought it was going to be because I like to hold a book. I'm like that. But um, yeah. the Kindle was super actually convenient because I ended up only be able to get something on Kindle and it was fine. And that one's only $2.99. And so then you don't even have to spend like whatever this is, like 13 bucks on this. Question, Mama. What is the, the, the method in which people should buy this that earns you the most money because they oh. want to yeah, support women the and thing. they want to support survivors? You, know? uh, you So... It, 
when you when you publish on Amazon, you are only allowed to sell on Amazon. So uh, oh. Amazon, but um, well, you can the way I have it set up because I wanted to do it so people get deals. So um, so Amazon. Amazon, okay. Amazon, Amazon, and then the and you audio... make the same amount of money with yeah. the digital as you do with the the physical copy. No, I will of course make more with the physical copy. If buy you buy a paperback, copy, buy <laughs> paperback. If you buy a paperback, I make more money. But I am not. I don't. I honestly, I don't care about that. I care. You're so sweet. I I don't. I care about getting the story out there, and it's going to be available on um uh audiobook soon, ish. As soon as they get back to me, it is quite difficult to get your yeah. audiobook published because they will find any problem and then you have to go through the whole process again. Right. So that, but um, yeah, no, I mean, this I did for my soul and because I would love, if I want this to get made into a, a mini series, you guys, because this is a mini series right here. This book yes. is a mini series. 63 chapters of short stories, all of which would make fantastic episodes of a miniseries. So you hear that Hollywood? Exactly. I'm a knock in and you guys need your, you need content because you have too many channels. So yeah. So that's the, (laughs) that's the real goal is get this thing made. Um, so don't worry about if you want to buy a paperback, thank you. But, uh, just, just read it because you're going to like it. It's good. Good. It's good. Yes. Well, we've loved talking to you, Dave. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so, so appreciative that Rena got us in touch. Yeah. Yes. I got to have her on the pod too. Shout she, out to Rena. Should we Hunter. say her last name? Yes. Okay. Rena Hunter. Hello. Okay. Comedian, <laughs> podcast. I think she had a podcast at one point. Uh, she in talented, um, yeah, comedian. very talented uh, 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 improviser. Uh, we've roast battled each other. Oh, fun. Uh, yeah, so it's, a, it's a whole thing. Uh, Yay. Dave, where can people find you? You can find me all over the internet at, at Yates Comedy. You can go to my website, yatescomedy.com, and you can order my delicious hot sauce that I sell as merch, hahahotsauce.com. Uh, so oh, that's funny. It's delicious. I am going to buy some for my boyfriend. He loves yeah. hot sauce. And it's funny hot sauce. You got it. I'm in. It's, it's delicious. No, no, it's just very good. Uh, the name the name is, because I, 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 I sell it after my shows as merch. <laughs> so it's ha ha hot sauce. But it's like, it's funny because it's like the, I'm a comedian fucking selling hot sauce. Like, even so if it you won't don't like make my you comp- laugh. No, no, because the, the funny Ooh. part is like, even if you hate my comedy and you like hot <laughs> sauce, you're still going to buy merch. So Yeah. Everyone loves hot sauce. Um, you can find me at Anna V is fun at Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com. You can find me on Facebook. You find this show on Facebook and Twitter at 12QPod. And you can um, find us on Instagram at 12QPod. Uh, you can email us at 12QPod at gmail.com. Um, and uh, yeah, we just... how we end this podcast every time is first off Dave if nobody's told you this today I love you and Kate if nobody's told you this today we love you oh wait did you just say you love you no we love you (laughs) we love you you. I thought you said if nobody's told you this today you love you Ah! (laughs) so Sadie no no okay (laughs) defect of character Yeah. And uh, if if you're listening to this podcast and nobody's told you this today, guys, we love you. Thanks so Aww. much. Yay. A lot of love, everybody. Thanks for doing the podcast. Take care. Hey, okay, bye. Thank you. All right. Bye. Awesome.